This copyrighted podcast of the James Perspective has been paid for and funded by James M. Wilkerson. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast are a permutation and combination of words and sentences used in this podcast without the express written consent of James M. Wilkerson and the James Perspective is strictly prohibited. Victoria back. She's been lazing around the beach. <laughs> Itching to come back though, so I'm glad to be here today. It sounded like a working vacation. Yeah. <laughs> she, um, I think, I don't want to get into too, too personal, but I thought it was a pretty cool thing they did. There was an elderly brother and sister that hadn't seen each other in like 10 years or something. Yeah, since I was a kid. And Victoria made it happen. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So. Anyway, and she's also been accepted into Arkansas Law School. Mm-hmm. So, so now she's got two. And she can make them fight with each other. Mm, yeah, competition. That's good. <laughs> well, you know, today, when, when Victoria's here, what does that mean, Glenn? It means we're going to break down something legal. <laughs> <laughs> and what will that be, <laughs> Victoria? We are talking about United States versus Mackey today. A very crazy case. I'm very excited to get into it. Um, and I'm so glad you found it because this one is just very unbelievable to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of unbelievables out there, but this one, this one is quite unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. So um, we've got this kid. Oh, I say kid. He's in his 30s, Douglas Mackey, and he is a self-described internet troll. So he began um, getting a following on Twitter, a couple thousand people between 2014 and 2016 for posting election-related content. And so he states that his goal was to distract people from real election-related content with edgy, humorous, and offensive posts. He just wanted to get media attention was basically what he said. And that's kind of, you know, how we understand what internet trolls are, just people looking for attention on the internet. So fast forward to 2016, it's, you know, the race against um, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and the Clinton campaign began noticing the spread of voter misinformation in memes that told people that they could vote via text. So text Hillary to whatever number. And that's never been you you could never vote that way. Um, So um, they began noticing it on places like Twitter and 4chan, just in these being circulated in these groups. All right. Now, I have to ask. Yeah. I know the answer, but what's 4chan? For, 4chan. 4chan, it's like an internet posting board. The way I, it has less regulations than platforms like Twitter and Instagram, correct? So you can kind of just, it's, it's like a free really wild stuff comes out there. Yeah. How would you describe it, Glenn? You're probably even more aware of it than we are. Okay, 4chan is the, uh, the place they send people to hell if you're a troll. Uh, and uh, they live there and, uh, make up stuff that has nothing to do with anything and it's just a cesspool basically to, to give an information to give an example i know of mm-hmm. they made up that the okay sign was white power yes they just made it up it never was that they just made it up black mm-hmm. and white people were doing it all the time hey, yeah okay because okay, the okay sign and they put it up there and people took it as true and then it became a guy they had a guy got almost kicked out of the Navy Academy. Wow. For making the okay sign. 
Yeah, just some really crazy stuff comes out of there. Like, I've never been there because it just scares me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid I would get on some kind of list. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so he and, and Mackie was on um, boards of, it, he was in 4chan, you know, that's where he was getting a lot of his content, too. He would screenshot things and post them on his Twitter account. Um, so, yeah, the Clinton campaign, not Mackie specifically, but began noticing the circulation of these memes, like text Hillary, you know, to this number to vote or whatever. So the Clinton campaign ascertained the company that controlled the number that these texts were being sent to and created an automated response that let people know that this was not affiliated with the Clinton campaign. So that should tell you off the bat, okay, I didn't actually just vote. I need to go look for a better source than 4chan and Twitter for my (laughs) voting information. (laughs) Good way to put it. (laughs) So on November and then... Coming back to Mackey, so on November 1st and 2nd of 2016, Douglas Mackey posted two of these memes on his Twitter page that falsely informed people that you could vote via text for Hillary Clinton. Um, He pulled them from a 4chan board. He was in, like I said, a couple of 4chan boards and Twitter groups. Um, And specifically, he was part of a Twitter group known as The War Room. And within that group, it had been discussed that they were going to try to undermine the Clinton campaign with the spread of voter misinformation. Mackey says that he. This, I mean, had a group chat of hundreds of people in it. So he silenced the notifications because he was getting like 600 a day. So he never directly was spoken to or spoke about trying to trick people into, you know, trying to trick people. He just thought they were funny. He screenshot them from the board, posted them on his Twitter, and that was that. Well, four years later, in January of 2021, Mackey was arrested in the Eastern District of New York, which is very important um, for later on in the case for one count of violating Title 18 of the U.S. Code, Section 241. The indictment alleged that he conspired to injure, oppress, threaten, and intimidate people in the exercise of their right to vote by posting these memes on his popular Twitter page. So Mackey tried to have the indictment dismissed because he did not have fair warning that it would have applied to this type of behavior because Section 241 has never applied to the spread of misinformation before. You remember when that was passed, that act? 1870? Yeah. It was called the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. So essentially it was to curtail people in the Ku Klux Klan from violently intimidating people, you know, keeping people from voting, you know, not trying to prevent coercion. Specific people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's the, the history of this law. So it's never been applied to the spread of misinformation via you know speech um so and he also claimed that this was an improper venue so he lived in an apartment in manhattan which is in the southern district of new york he sent his tweets in the southern district of new york never stepped foot in the eastern district but the government made the argument that because these tweets could be viewed by people in the eastern district and that the data was passing through wires and cell phone towers in the eastern district that that was also a proper venue And the district court um, judge accepted that argument. So they tried the case in district court um, in front of a jury. The jury began their deliberations on March 23rd, and they continued to deliberate for three days per the instructions of the judge. So they came back two days in a row saying they could not reach a verdict, and the judge kept pushing them to go back and keep deliberating. And then that's when they reached the guilty verdict. So Mackie filed for and was denied post-trial relief. I'm not quite sure what specifically he filed for. and then the judge sentenced Mackey to seven months in prison. So um, 
He's not in prison at the moment while this appeal is ongoing, and he has filed his brief in appellate court, um, you know, with, with his arguments stating why he should, this conviction should be overturned. And that is where we're at today. Yeah, well, let me clarify a couple of little things. Yeah. One is, is that the district court judge, once she sentenced, I think it was a she. Yes, yeah. She sentenced Mackey. Mm-hmm. She said, you're going straight to jail. Oh. And he appealed it to this court that he's in front of now. Yeah. And said he wanted suspended, the mm-hmm. sentence suspended, until he could have a chance to appeal. And this very court yeah. said, I, I agree, this are substantial issues that need to be raised here. Yeah. And so he's not in jail right now. Yes, that's correct. Okay. That's one of the main things. Yeah. Um, so crazy. He, yeah. Well, let, me, let me get another thing yeah. out out there that I have a feeling you're not going to get yet. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't understand yet. But, so I'll go over it a little bit. Now, we've talked about in civil court, mm-hmm. What can you waive personal jurisdiction? Yes. Can you waive venue? No. Yes. Oh, you can? You okay. Can waive venue. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yes, you can. You can. If someone sues me in Lincoln, it should have been in Claiborne. Mm-hmm. I can just say, ah, Lincoln's fine. Okay. Even though it should have been in Claiborne. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it's in civil, it's not even an element of the case. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to put on evidence to the jury of where proper venue is. Yes. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You can, because you can waive it. And, yeah. and the fact is, if you don't say something, you waive it. Okay. All right. So that's not that way in criminal court. Mm-hmm. In criminal court, the prosecutor has to prove proper venue that they sued it, mm-hmm. that they filed this, not sued. That they filed this indictment or this discharge in proper venue. So you'll actually hear t- given to the jury, mm-hmm. did it happen in Lincoln Parish? And they have to answer that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so the jury had to decide whether there was proper venue. But what happens is the judge gives instructions to how you determine if it's proper venue. Mm-hmm. I would love to have seen those jury instructions. Yeah. So if, if, it, if it passes through a wire, we got venue. Yeah. Okay, we'll get into what the venue should have been, but it's important that the listeners know that that you can, not only can you not waive it at trial, the prosecutor has to prove it. Mm-hmm. What the proper venue is? Does that make sense, Glenn? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, going into Mackey's brief, they believe that the really big issue here is the government's interpretation of Section Two Forty One. Which reads that if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district in the free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years. So that is the statute. Um, And the really key verbiage here is injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate. the government focuses on the word injure, stating that Mackey injured people through the spread of voter misinformation and that this that statute applies to him. So his whole brief goes into how that is not the case. And if you look at the verbiage of the other words around it, the statutory, the statutory interpretation and the, the historical context of the statute, it has never been applied to the spread of misinformation or deceit. Um, That's just not what this has ever been used for. So he has three big arguments that he goes to in his brief, which number one is that the government's interpretation of Section 242 to include false speech that hampers voting is inconsistent with the historical interpretation of the statute. Um, Section 241 does not extend 
to the domain of deceit and speech, that would be an infringement upon um, his First Amendment uh, constitutional rights. And he also, which we'll get into later, cites a case that we have already spoken about on the con- on the podcast, which is U.S. versus Hansen and the issue that was at play there. So I thought that was very interesting. I had an aha moment. I was like, well, you said there it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the way that they use it in their argument, it makes complete and perfect sense as well. And I don't think I, w- I would not have made that connection. And they did it in a very, very interesting way. So the second argument is that venue is improper. The government's argument that the Internet data briefly passed through the Eastern District means that Mackey could technically be tried in literally any district in the United States because that's how Internet works. So. Which I think is, you know, a pretty decent argument. <laughs> <laughs> and then three, the evidence at trial was insufficient to sustain a conviction. There was no evidence that Mackey directly participated in a conspiracy to um, curtail or to spread, to keep people from voting. There's no evidence that he got with a bunch of other people and said, hey, we are going to coordinate the posting of our memes to try and get people to pre- prevent people from voting. He was in this group chat. He had silenced the notifications. He only took the screenshot and posted them because he's an internet troll and just likes the attention. Now, how many times did he repost this? Do we know? I think there was two reposts. So one in English and then one in Spanish. Um, and I took a look at them and they are made to look legitimate. But they're funny. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you have, and I think it speaks to the bigger issue of people don't have media literacy because I was looking at it and you can see his profile picture of some movie character with a Make America Great Again hat on. I immediately know this guy is being ironic. But if you don't have so media literacy is just right. people need to get better at that. that that's the interesting thing about it. it yeah. There's this, there's this uh, guy wearing a MAGA hat saying vote for Hillary right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would definitely I'm glad I didn't think of it because I would have put it up. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, if I saw that, that would ring a bell for me like, oh, maybe I should look into this a little more before. Um, and I think it was like eventually it was like about 5000 people sent in that text message. But 4900 is what I found reported. And then I think they said that 98 percent of them received that automated message that this is not associated with the the Hillary's campaign. Um, so there was no actual evidence that anybody's right to vote had been, you know, inhibited by this. They didn't post one, right? Not even one person. I don't think so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, going into his argument specifically, argument one, um, that Section 241 does not apply to um, the spread of misinformation. Like we said earlier, this law was created to curtail KKK violence against black voters um, back in 1870. This law does not make it a crime to disenfranchise voters via misinformation. And if you try to apply the word injure to the spread of misinformation, you are opening a floodgate of um, uh, putting protected speech at risk. So not only could it be illegal for you to spread misinformation about how to vote, but who to vote for and um, whether you should vote could also be included. And then this is where they use U.S. versus Hansen um, kind of as a roadmap. So they argue that the Supreme Court has already provided us with a way to look at cases about the verbiage of statutes like this. So in U.S. versus Hansen, if everybody remembers, Congress chose to interpret the verbiage of encouraging or inducing illegal immigrants narrowly 
to avoid inhibiting constitutionally protected speech of people speaking about the issue of immigration. Um, they didn't want to open a floodgate of people being at risk of being prosecuted for speaking their mind on the Internet. So it's the same question here, which is, can we interpret the word injure as broadly as the government wants? And Hansen says, no, we can't do that. Um, let's see. If applying Hansen. Yeah. Okay. So what just to make sure we make that distinction. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, all right. Go ahead. So also good. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, again, that was a light bulb moment. So I went back and looked at my notes from Hanson. Um, and uh, yeah, that was very Hansen, cool. They did say it applied there, right? Hanson, I believe it was, he was the one who was trying to have it interpreted broadly. Correct. He was trying to say, you, if you interpret it this broadly, mm-hmm. really, that it could pick up anybody and they go, well, you're clearly right down the middle of what we're trying to do. If you take the ordinary language, yeah, it applies to you. Yeah, you have to. You're the one screwing up the language to come up with this crazy stuff. Yes. So if they would have filed suit against a person in the press for saying we think you should have legal immigration, and I don't think they should leave, I think they should stay. Yeah. That right there would be protected speech. Yes. And but you had to stretch the the Hanson statute mm-hmm. so much to get there. They went no, no. Just like you can't, yeah, if they stretch it to that, we'll say no. Yeah. And that's what we think they're going to do with the Enron statute and the J6 people. Right? Mm-hmm. That's where we came to the conclusion on that. Okay. So they also go into the argument that the Supreme Court has limited violations of Section 241 to clearly established law. So um, the court limits Section 241 to cover to coverage of rights fairly warned of at the time of conduct. So the federal law must... Federal law is clearly established if the defendant would have understood his conduct to be a violation. So you must take into account the specifics of a case. You can't interpret it too generally. And if there is an absence of an obvious violation, the government must point to a case that establishes that the defendant should have known his conduct was a violation of the law. And they just can't point to anything here. Um, section- I, mean, I don't know this. Is, is it in there? I read that whole case. Yeah. I don't think it's in there. He probably was very surprised that five years after that, he probably didn't even remember the post. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have 2016, you know. Um, but he had no idea he supposedly committed crime. Yes. Right. Now, go ahead. I want, go ahead. I, I, I might have questions, but let me let you finish that, that the portion that you're on. This, yeah. The, what we're talking about is the, the whether or not the, the, the interpretation of the statute by the United States government so broadly is constitutional. What we're talking about. Yes. Okay. So um, they argue Section 241 has never been applied to political misinformation. It has only been applied to coercion and ballot stuffing, the falsifying of votes, or directly interfering with the ballot process. So again, going back to the history of the statute, you know, trying to keep people in the KKK from um, inhibiting um, the black community's right to vote at the time. So the government wants to expand, uh, expand it to speech about voting, and it's just not something that has ever been backed up by any case law and something that's, it's not clearly established. So Mackey would have had no idea that what he was posting was going to get him in trouble. All right. So, so let's, um, let's make sure we're, we're following it. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, is there anything else you want to say? Cause again, you may cover it or is that you're going to ask questions? That's it for that section. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, all, so, so basically what the argument of mm-hmm. the defendant is, yes. Mackey is that, this statute, if you, if anybody just would look at it, mm-hmm. they would go, I know if I go beat up a black person trying to vote, I'm going to jail for 10 years. Yes. I could go to jail for 10 years. Mm-hmm. But if I'm 
out putting funny jokes on the internet, you have no idea that you could be put on the same, put to the same t- sentence as somebody who beat up somebody to stop them from, from voting. Yes. All right. That was pretty easy to me to say, okay, he beat him up. Mm-hmm. All right. He, the guy was going to vote, poor guy. Yeah. And he beat him up. Mm-hmm. All right. Because it does say, what are the words? Four words, injure. The words are injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate. Okay. So that's injure. <laughs> you're injuring them. Yeah. You're threatening them. Right. All right. Now, how, how did they get that to apply to ballot stuffing? So ballot stuffing, I believe it was, I can't remember exactly. They went into the history of Section 241 and how it originally was set up to um, protect people from KKK violence. But I think then it was either like between the 20s and the 40s, there were people interfering with the actual ballots and the ballot boxes themselves. So there is case law that expanded Section 241 to the physical interference with people's with people's ballots. To which word are they using? Injure, intimidate. What is that? What are they again? Injure, intimidate, or injure, intimidate, oppress, and threaten. So I think ballot stuff. Yeah, oppress. But here they focus on the word injure. The government does. Right. Okay, yeah. In this case. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because because they did not intimidate, oppress, or mm-hmm. what the last one was. All right. The here's what I think that I'm trying to, to get to though. Yeah. In those ballot stuffing cases. Hmm. You're able to pinpoint who it was that was injured mm-hmm. by this ballot stuffing, and that would be anybody who voted for the candidate opposite to who you ballot stuffed for. Yeah. So you can find a victim very easily. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very, very easily. We know that there were 9,000 votes, let's say, for candidate A, mm-hmm. and you stuffed with 9,500. You know that the 9,000 were, were injured. Mm-hmm. You have a victim. Yeah. Were they able to say who they, they were? In fact, we know that they were not able to find a victim. Mm-hmm. They just, you, you might have had your feelings hurt because you didn't like it. Yeah. Now, all right, so let me make sure real quick. The next thing is there's venue and what's the last one? Venue and then insufficient evidence. Okay. So let's stay with the constitutional stuff here. Mm-hmm. This, this, to me, this is kind of important. And he raises the issue, mm-hmm. this issue is, I'll ask you first, read this case. Do you think that? False information is protected speech. Yes. It is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. I can lie all I want to and you can't arrest me for it. Yeah. The only way lying becomes a, a, a problem mm-hmm. is if I tell you something that's a lie and you rely on it mm-hmm. to do something. And if it's something to give me money, then it's fraud. Yeah. If it's, if it's something that makes you injured, then it's civil wrong. Mm-hmm. I can lie. Yeah. I can lie to you, and as long as you don't rely on it, mm-hmm. it's not a problem. Yeah. And what, what the problem is, is nobody's going to believe you anymore. Yeah. I've said this before. When I was a young college student, I admit this very freely, mm-hmm. I exaggerated my stories. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it. I was like a puppy. Yeah. On mm-hmm. playing with another puppy, and I was learning how to tell stories because I was destined to be a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> now I've got good stories. I don't have to lie anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but here's the problem. Here's 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 why I want to emphasize that he is that Mackey is right. Mm-hmm. Where does this stop? I I go out and do I I go copy and paste the meme, mm-hmm. and I don't understand how all that posting works. But he you do that. I don't do a screenshot. Yeah, I do a screenshot and cut out the stuff that I don't want to put up there. I mean that's really easy. Mm-hmm. A dummy can do that. Here's the problem. 
I say communism sucks. Mm-hmm. You might think communism is the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Did I just lie to you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, where does it stop? If you open this floodgate, you know, you got to think about, like, be careful what you wish for. What are you inviting in to be prosecuted at that point? Right. So he, he says that in there, that the problem is, is who gets to decide what's true and what's not. Is we going to have a ministry of truth? Yeah. Because it's coming if this case goes this way. They'll mm-hmm. have a ministry of truth. Yeah, very right. 1984. And it's satire, protected speech. Yeah, I mean. It, it, yes, it is. Um, yeah, and we got into a, a discussion yesterday just about we were, a couple of my friends and I were looking at the post and we were thinking, had it been, like, there are so many things like, like, had it been designed in a certain way, would this even be prosecuted? If it was made to look a little bit less legitimate, would the government have even cared? Just talking about, like. What happens if you allow this case, if it goes in favor of the government, like what that opens it up to, like, are there going to, is there going to be a ministry of truth analyzing people's satire on the internet thinking, okay, is this something people take legitimately? It's just, it's, yeah, it's just very crazy to me. Yes. And it's like the Babylon B, those guys would be criminals. Yeah. You know, so, so that's, that's a very important argument to make mm-hmm. that, that they're trying to use the statute. If they're able to use the statute to regulate false speech, then it's unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the argument they make. Now, again, the listeners need to understand this thing has already been at trial. She said that. He's been found guilty. The sentence was for what? Seven months. Seven months. She said, go check in. It's time. You're going mm-hmm. today. But he got a, his lawyer had already had the appeal ready. Mm-hmm. And he asked for state and, and this court allowed it so now we're they're arguing to an appellate court in new york yes the appellate the federal the federal court in new york now um the, well that next thing i was going to talk about was venue so we'll, we'll, i'll wait for that mm-hmm. the other thing that that you did not talk about that i want to kind of point out mm-hmm. it's mostly for you yeah this is kind of kind of a technical thing there was a statute that had had covered this clearly in the past, mm-hmm. this behavior, yeah, uh, lying to um, make someone do something in an election they wouldn't have otherwise done, basically, what th- what happened? Yeah, it, it spelled it out, mm-hmm. and that statute was out there. Well, they repealed that part of it. Okay, mm-hmm. that to me, yeah, I would think is a perfect argument and valid argument that. That it's no longer a crime. They made it. It was a crime, and they made it not a crime. Mm-hmm. And I know why. Yeah. Because every politician, <clears throat> every campaign worker, yeah, every comedian would have to worry about: Is this considered false? Mm-hmm. And am I intimidating? Not intimidating. Am I influencing? Because what they're really doing is saying, "I injured you by influencing." Yeah. Every comedian, every podcaster would have to worry. Did I just violate, was it 426? 421. 421. Did I just violate that? Yeah. And I think that, I think that everybody was worried about that's why they got rid of that. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like part of the responsibility of living in a place where you have protected speech and free speech and, you know, the marketplace of ideas is you have to vet that information yourself. You can't, the government can't vet it and and say, oh, well, were you influenced by this? We are going to prosecute this person. Like it's, the responsibility of the people in the marketplace to vet that information yourself. And, you know, like if you're going to be influenced by something that when I looked at it was clearly a troll post 
then, you know, you need, I don't know. Yeah. If you're going to be clearly influenced by that, then that's on you kind of. Right. Well, let me ask you this one. Let's yeah. just change it a little bit mm-hmm. before we move on to venue. Let's say that I'm a, I'm a MAGA guy. Yeah. And you like no brains. Biden, I mean. Mm-hmm. And I call you up and go, man, did you know you can call this number and vote? And we can go onto the beach because we don't have to worry about it. You just call this number mm-hmm. and you can vote for Hillary right now. And I make you do that and you don't go vote. Now have I committed a crime? Well, if you can, I mean, I don't think so. It's just, it's the spread of misinformation. Like I am injured by it, but I didn't, like it was fully within my control to go and check that information. And I can't prosecute you. Like that could have been, in that situation, you could have, it could have been completely satire. It could have been you being sarcastic or could have been ironic. And then because I didn't go and double check that information. I don't think it can prosecute you for that. And the reason why you think that the person who received the information mm-hmm. has, was not injured, why? Because they, when you see something on the internet or when you receive a piece of information, because we live in a marketplace of free ideas, you have the ability to go and find out if that information is accurate or not. And because you don't take the step to do that, I feel like it is your responsibility. Okay, so let's talk about a legal illegal term. Yeah. Detrimental reliance. Mm-hmm. I relied upon you to my detriment. Yeah. All right. It's real easy in a case where mm-hmm. if you're my client and I say, you can skip court today. Yeah. That's a reasonable reliance. You paid me to be a lawyer. Yeah. But if you're going in and there's a bum outside, mm-hmm. a hobo. Yeah. And he says, oh, court's closed today. Yeah. And you turn around and leave. Mm-hmm. Can you rely on that? You relied on it. You left. Yeah. Could you claim that? Do you think the, the judge is going to listen to you? No. You relied to somebody to your detriment. Mm-hmm. What's the reason is it has to be a reasonable reliance. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is anybody can. I, I really agree with you. Yeah. I, I didn't look at the Spanish. Yeah. I, I saw it, but I didn't stop and look at it. I stopped and looked <laughs> at the English one. And I almost fell out of bed laughing. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, Glenn, you got to look at that thing. It's obvious that that's a joke. It's obvious that it's put up there by Trump people because he's saying he has his Trump number if you want to vote for Hillary. Yeah. It's so stupid. You just, you can't rely to that and be reasonable. Yeah. Is my point. Um, And Mm -hmm. and if you are not all in the head, then I don't think you should be voting. Mm -hmm. Because to me, what what the Spanish one did it look as bad as the. It looked, it was exactly the same format. just in Spanish, and then okay. you could see his profile picture, his his name in the screenshots that I saw. So like that right there tells me, you know, if he wasn't a verified account, he didn't have the blue check mark. <laughs> can't rely on, can't reasonably rely on something exactly blue check mark. <laughs> <laughs> that means we can rely to, on our, to our detriment to you, Glenn. <laughs> you got a blue check mark. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, do you have anything? I paid for that sucker, damn it. So do, you, do you have any any questions you'd like to ask before we move on to that? I do believe that's the primary part. Well, yeah. The venue part. So now, let me ask you this. I guess I'm a little confused. Did he just repost a meme that someone else made or did he make the meme? Yes, he reposted it. Uh, he got it for 4chan. Yeah. Okay, so he didn't even make the meme. No. Right? And they kind of make you think that in the press. I mean, when I read okay. the press articles on it, it yeah. made you think he, he was drafting them. Mm-hmm. Making them, but he did not. 
And so since he had 5,800 followers, 58,000, I'm sorry, 58,000 followers on his website or Twitter account, uh, he then, without a blue check mark at the time, and at the time, blue check marks were awarded via supposedly how many followers you had. 58,000 sounds like he should have had a blue check mark, but didn't. Did he have 58,000? It was a lot. It was a couple of thousand people. 58. All right. So I think up is 58,000 people were following his Twitter account. They alleged for 5,000 to 4,900 actually were sent this me. Or actually called. About 5,000 yeah, people yeah. called. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, yes. and 98% of them got a message saying this is fake. Mm-hmm. So just. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> This was during uh, when Twitter was just an arm of the Democratic Party. Yes, yes. I mean, it was during the Clinton-Trump campaign, as you said. So, yeah, twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. and and he wasn't arrested for another five years. Yeah, that's just. I mean, you can be a completely yeah, different person in five years. God, that's for something you reposted that you didn't even create. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell how many times people I've listen to you. Yeah. You're going to jail. Yeah. Like I cannot stand internet trolls on the internet. I just, it, I hate it. I probably would not be friends with this guy in real life, but I don't want him to go to prison for seven months for posting something just to get attention. You know, that's a little excessive to me. Yeah. Well, plus, you know, this is, <laughs> and maybe that's why they waited so long to do it, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, is because they wanted people to forget and then they could say, yeah, he posted this. He was trying to get people to vote and this is horrible. Well, it sounds on his face, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. How did that happen? But then you look into it and it's not even close to what they're saying it is. This is the way they obfuscate this whole, you know, the deep state at least, and Hillary, I believe, is part of it, um, just obfuscates things by waiting and you know this is a typical government tactic by the way anyway um you know if you get an eeoc claim it usually takes one or two years for it to come up and the reason i think they do it is because they know most of the witnesses are gone oh Um, wow they waited that long i think they waited that long they they waited till trump was out of power true true that's probably it right i mean it could be both but this is a typical typical tactic of uh, government entities, you know. Nobody, just, nobody's ever told me this, but I, I believe that defense attorneys and medical malpractice cases delay for the reason you're getting. Mm-hmm. The longer you go, the, the more difficult it is to prove the malpractice. Yeah, yeah because you don't have the witnesses, memories, memories disappear, that kind of thing, change jobs. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, let's talk about one thing before we leave this topic. All mm-hmm. right, so so let's make sure we got this clear. One clear. One thing is, did, did they did they interpret the statute overly broad? Mm-hmm. And then the next question is, can you if they do stretch it that broad, is it constitutional to do that? Mm-hmm. Is it a constitutional statute? Are you restricting free speech? Mm-hmm. That's your two issues. The main two issues, right? Yeah. When they are all right, we always talk about we all we always talk we about burden of proof and 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 what's the what do you have how do you have what do you have to prove to overturn it? Mm-hmm. All right. So, what standards will the court be hearing this this portion of the case? The the the, 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 the whether they interpreted it too broadly, and if they did interpret it too broadly, was it unconstitutional? 
Is it is it more likely than not? Is it is it beyond reasonable doubt? Clear and convincing evidence? De novo? What is it? Would it be? Is it going to be de novo or? Yes. Yeah. Why? Is it because it is a federal question or is that not? No, federal question gives you jurisdiction. Okay. All right. When you are trying to overturn mm-hmm. an issue of fact, it's clear and convincing evidence. Okay. If you can do it at all. Yeah. But it's clear and convincing evidence. If you're just trying to argue a point of law or constitution, mm-hmm. the judge, they don't have to listen to the district court at all. There's no weight put to what the district court said at all. Okay. They decided to no vote. Yeah. They discussed that in there, and I thought you might miss it. Well, mm-hmm. I brought it up. Yeah. So you understand that. You will be asked at some point in law school. Mm-hmm. How, what's what standard will they use here? And, and if it's a question of law or interpretation of the Constitution, they don't have to. They, all right. So they don't have to take this nasty old Biden appointed judge's opinion is how they see it. Yeah. They get to go to three judges at the appellate level and start completely over. Yes. Nothing that judge ruled mm-hmm. in this issue matters. Okay. You get yeah. that? Mm-hmm. So it's like the slate has been wiped clean. We are just Start over. starting over. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Does that makes sense, Glenn. So even though the judge ruled all this stuff and sentenced him to seven months, it doesn't matter. What the judge's opinion is as to whether or not that statute can interpret that broadly. Yeah. That what that judge had to say on it matters as much as what Victoria just said. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. They start over. They don't have to go okay. and and prove. Oh well, the judge said this, so we're going to presume he's correct. Yeah, and we only will overturn him on clear and convincing evidence. Or so, like, no, they're starting over. Okay, so so that judge could write all of the vitriol, all of the things that, that she wanted to write in there. It doesn't matter. So that's very important to know mm-hmm. that he's starting afresh. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody, as you know, likes to swing and miss at that first pitch. Yeah, <laughs> you, <only laughs> you want to hit that ball, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. But he almost did. A hung jury would let him go. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now we're going to go into venue. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be asking that question again at the end. Yes. So you better be thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, getting into venue. So um, Mackey makes the argument that he was prosecuted in an improper venue. So let me stop. Let me stop you there. Yes. I, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. I know that. Mm-hmm. What is venue? Venue is the physical, let me see one. It's um, the place or like location where something takes place. So if a crime was committed in this district, this district has obvious venue. Um, It gets a little bit more, there are a little bit more requirements to it when you have continuing offenses like a conspiracy. And I think. Well, we're going to get too fast. We're going to ask what it is. Yeah. All right. So let's go back again. If the federal is a federal court. Yes. There's what? What are the two types of jurisdiction that you have? Subject, that? subject matter, and personal. All right. In civil court, can you waive the subject matter jurisdiction? No. All right. Can you waive personal jurisdiction? Yes. All right. Now, so so now you've got jurisdiction. That means that court has power. Yes. To hear it. Mm-hmm. Venue is where is the best location. Of all the courts that have jurisdiction. Yes. So every single court that has jurisdiction, mm-hmm. what is the best court to hear it in? Mm-hmm. And they have rules on that. Yes. Okay. And in criminal court, they have rules that are a little different than state court. 
they have rules. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to determine is we know that every court in this country could has the power to hear it. Mm -hmm. So this court in the eastern that would yes. the eastern district had the power, the jurisdiction to hear it. Mm -hmm. The question is, was it the right place to hear it? Because the were they where's where's Manhattan Middle or Southern? Southern. Southern. So Manhattan, clearly because he lived there, the defendant lived there. Mm -hmm. That's where he put out the post. Yes. There's no question venue would be proper there, but you can have more than one court with proper venue. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. If a person from Claiborne Paris hits my car here in Ruston. Yeah. Venue's proper where the defendant lives. So I can sue her in Claiborne mm -hmm. or I can sue her here where the accident happened. Okay. So, so all the courts in Louisiana have the power to hear that case. I could file it. In Lake Charles, and if they don't waive it, I mean, they, don't, go, they yeah. don't claim it, then we'd hear it in Lake Charles. Mm -hmm. But that's not the best place. Yes. And the, the courts, the, the state law says that the best place to hear a car accidents either where the defendant lives mm -hmm. or where the accident happened. Mm -hmm. But not where the plaintiff lives. So if I lived in Washington, I couldn't sue there. Okay. You yeah. what I'm saying? Because that's not, that's not proper venue. Mm -hmm. All right. So here, there's same thing with criminal law. There's more than one place. Mm -hmm. all, all of the courts can hear it because it's a violation of federal statute. So every yes. single district court in the United States can hear that case, mm -hmm. has the power to. Yes. The question is, do they have venue? Mm -hmm. All right. In civil case, you can waive it. Mm -hmm. in, in, in criminal, you cannot. Yeah, that's correct. So what we're trying to decide now is, have two courts that have the power to hear it, mm -hmm. where's proper venue? Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. Where's the right place to do it? Yes. Hear the case. Does that make sense, Clint? Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah, so they go into, um, give a little bit of history about venue. The defendant has the right to be tried and convicted in the district where the crime was committed. Um, this was very important to the founders because they didn't want an abuse of power pro by prosecutors to just take a case and try it in the venue that they liked the best, essentially. So that's why they created, um, and why case law has created these specific requirements for venue Um and it in cases involving continuing offenses, so like conspiracy with within Section 241, the government must prove, number one, that the crime's essential conduct elements took place in the forum. And then Congress has codified this to include forums where the offense began, continued and completed. So where. So if he had posted in Manhattan, then gone to the Eastern District and posted there again. Well, I mean, Bonnie and Clyde be a perfect example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You went to Kansas, you went to Oklahoma, you went mm -hmm. to Texas, you went to Arkansas, and you went to Louisiana. Mm -hmm. you, you probably just, if you probably, if you shot somebody, the question would be, can you bring it in Louisiana? Mm -hmm. That's that's the issue. Uh, I want to say this one thing real quick to add to another thing that the reason they have been you is, and it's fairness thing. If if I am looking at a, a year or two felony, small felony, mm -hmm. and it happened here in Louisiana, yeah, I can hire my own lawyer and we can go to federal court. We, we can hear this thing, mm -hmm. right? But they go, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, California, but let's do it in California because then James would have to drive to California to try this case and he'd have to hire a California lawyer. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to plead. Yeah. Similar to what Sidney Powell did mm -hmm. in Georgia. Okay. But they venue was proper there. Yeah. All right. So, but let me get this. Let me, let me say this. Do you know the venue statute? Have you read it? Is that, I know the, the statute that includes where the offense began, continued as incompleted as section thirty two thirty two, but that's okay. Is that what you're talking about or is yeah, it something? That's fine. Okay. Fine. 
So go ahead. So once the crime's essential conduct elements have been proved, then the government must prove that there was substantial contacts with the forum to prove that it is not being applied too broadly. So the government has to show that there is a connection between the crime that was committed and the forum to kind of avoid what's taking place here, that it's not being applied too broadly and that this is, there's a reason why they're wanting to convict him in the Eastern District. Does he, does he discuss the, the um, what you're looking for to find substantial contact, contacts? I think he does. I don't quite remember that part of it. I didn't see it. That's yeah. I, I didn't see it. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I'm kind of surprised that he did. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that the reason that uh, you know, I've told you this before, when you start talking about federal courts and you start talking about jurisdiction venue, mm-hmm. and so you have subject matter, you have personal mm-hmm. jurisdiction, you have venue, they start getting kind of hard to see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And to get personal jurisdiction in federal court, civil court, yeah, you have to have substantial contact. Mm-hmm. Now, they've varied that since I was in law school, but that's still basically the idea. I can't say that you haven't even probably, let's say, what state have you not been to? Like Oregon. Oregon. You've yeah. never been to Oregon. And they, something, you do something, mm-hmm. and they want to, to bring suit against you in Oregon, mm-hmm. even though they may be from Oregon. Yeah. How can they bring it on against you? Did it happen in Oregon? Mm-hmm. Nothing was in Oregon. Yeah. It's the same idea. And they have volumes written mm-hmm. on what substantial contacts are. Because mm-hmm. that's how people get out of stuff. Yeah. I don't go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to go to <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I was curious as to what they were looking for on the substantial contacts. Mm-hmm. And usually that means purposefully, purposefully, um, purposely made my presence felt is basically what mm-hmm. you know, but but I don't know. You know, I don't know because I don't do criminal law and I don't remember. I don't, I don't think we had to take criminal civil procedure. I mean, criminal procedure. Oh. Federal criminal procedure. Yeah. I don't think we had to. I don't think we had to take that. Okay. So, all right, go ahead. Yeah, so they kind of get into the two requirements of the government. Um, the essential conduct elements test states that it must occur, or the, the act conduct must occur in the venue where the conduct physically took place. So, in a conspiracy case, venue lies only where the conspirators formed the agreement committed to an overt act in furtherance of it or caused others to do so. It ha- so it has to be the physical place where people got together, or in this case, the physical place where Mackie was when he supposedly or allegedly got on the internet and entered this agreement to try and purposefully keep people from voting for Hillary Clinton. And this group was the war room. Yes, the war room group on Twitter. Um, so there is no evidence that anyone from the Eastern District viewed or were affected by these tweets and the theory that Internet data passing through the Eastern District constitutes venue doesn't satisfy the essential conduct elements test. So, so now, yeah, let's get this then. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact. Yes. They were not able to prove that anybody in the war room group was in the Eastern District of New York. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So there was evidence put on or lack of evidence put on, mm-hmm. but they put on, did they put on evidence that it passed through there because it's just, that's what the internet does. Yes. So there were, I think there were telephone wires underground in Brooklyn and then airspace in another, that was w- literally what was in there was, it was underground wires in the airspace was their evidence of internet data passing through the district. Okay. But, um, and we've gone over this already, but if you accept that argument, you can say that, well, that's just how the internet works. It does that everywhere. Um, 
then they go on to say that there's no evidence that anybody in the Eastern District even viewed these tweets or were affected by them. They couldn't produce a single person or a victim that from the Eastern District. Um, so it's just such a large stretch of trying to apply venue to the Eastern District. And it just it's not a solid argument. All right. So so what they were looking for were facts as to whether or not the meme was created, where it was created. Mm -hmm. And then once it was created, the collusion between the people. Um, did it take place in the Eastern District? Mm -hmm. And the evidence was that nobody was there. So mm -hmm. then they said, well, that's the hill for a stepper. Yeah. Electrons were. Mm -hmm. So we got him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just, it, yeah, it's definitely a stretch of an argument. Um, then they kind of go into some of the arguments that the government relied on. So the government has relied on cases involving direct point-to-point -point contact to back up their argument that venue is proper in the Eastern District. And point-to-point -point contact is very different from somebody posting something on the internet. You know, you can see who would go, like with point-to-point -point contact, if I make a call to somebody in the Eastern District, there are telephone records of how long that call was, who exactly I'm calling, what exactly was discussed. But when you put an internet out on the internet, it's like putting up a flyer in Times Square or something. You know, it's just out there. You can't prove a substantial contact with anybody in the Eastern District. I mean, all right, so let's suppose that you put up on Times Square. Yeah. On New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. A big billboard. Yeah. It says um, Hunter Biden is a pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you say that. Mm -hmm. All right. Whether or not truth or defense, we will skip that for now. Mm -hmm. So there's all kind of media coverage. Mm -hmm. And you know there's going to be. Yeah. You know when you buy that huge, colorful, lit up billboard that everybody is going to be able to see it. Yeah. Somebody's going to take a picture of it and send that over the internet. Mm -hmm. Under the government's argument, would that putting up that billboard in New York, Manhattan, make it where you could sue in the Southern District or Eastern District? Eastern District. I mean, file your file your indictment. Mm -hmm. um, I think so. I mean, would I be the one? So if I'm the one who put up that billboard, somebody takes a picture of it and it spreads over the Internet. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Like, you it's, have to know. It's, right? Yeah, it's reaching somebody. Yeah, because I have the forethought. I know it's going to get media coverage. I know it's going to get to somebody in Florida. Yeah, it, that would count. That would you be, be able, they, under their argument. You'd yeah. be able to go to Florida. I agree. Yeah. All right. Now, what were the substantial contacts they said he had? So that's where um, I kind of got some things mixed up. That's where the point to point contact ar argument that they bring up comes in play. So the government uses cases, like I said, that rely on point to point contact to prove substantial contact substantial context in a district and that's not what's happening here so it's just the internet it's very broad somebody in europe can take a look at whatever mackie is posting on the internet so that's not enough to prove substantial contact to contact in the eastern district all right so so their argument though i, I understand the argument against there was no point to point their argument is that mm -hmm. it doesn't have to go to point that's i don't understand their argument Oh, the government's argument? Yeah. So the government, they didn't get into the specifics of it, but they just stated that the government, to prove that somebody could be, that venue was proper in the Eastern District, and to prove substantial contact, they relied on cases where it wasn't the use of the internet to spread information, but rather like, like a specific DM from one person to another was 
the base of the cases that they used to prove that, oh, well, we can file an indictment in the Eastern District because of these cases. They didn't get into the specifics of it, but they state that this is what makes this different is it wasn't point to point contact. Oh, yeah, so I'd get the point. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd get the defendants. Mm-hmm. Right, well, well, let's go with this this thing. Then we're going to go on appeal. Mm-hmm. The 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 question is going to be that. Let's right, keep in mind. Don't forget. That yeah. The prosecution has the burden of proving beyond a reasonable doubt mm-hmm. that venue was proper in the Southern District. They have to prove that in this part of the case. Mm-hmm. The jury decides that. Yes. All right. Now, the evidence that, that was put on to prove that the defendant had put on anything, mm-hmm. the evidence that was put on by the state or the federal government mm-hmm. was that these electrons passed through a cable and through the air. Mm-hmm. And they cited cases saying that even that, that if there's direct, in other words, I'm, I'm directly trying to steal from the old lady to sell her pet insurance. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm living in Manhattan and I get somebody in the Southern District. Send me money for pet insurance, mm-hmm. and I have no intention of giving them pet insurance. Yeah, all right. That when they say that's substantial contact, you contacted her directly. Mm-hmm. You had that's there. Yeah, there. The federal government is trying to say those cases mean that if it just passes through. Yes, I. That's what I took it to to mean when I read their argument. Well, so now let's get to this. What mm-hmm. is the burden of establishing, or what is the what is mm-hmm. the defendant going to have to they're going to argue to the federal court Mm -hmm. what standard will the federal court apply to this venue issue so is venue an issue of fact like whether or not is it an issue of facts because if it's an issue of fact then don't they have to consider what was decided by the the district court yeah you're asking me a question yes (laughs) (laughs) all right so so venue the first thing's going to be is yeah what what is what does the venue statute mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, can I interpret the venue statute to mean X? Yeah. All right, that's a question of law. Okay. What now we've determined what the what the, what the standard is? What do they have to prove? What is the stand? What is it they have to prove? They have to have substantial contact. Mm-hmm. Then you look at what do they put up? That's facts. So it's a mixed question of law and fact. Okay. The, if they get to this, the, the constitutional issue or they get to the venue issue and say they misapplied the venue statute, what's the step? What's the, Would that be de novo? Yeah, That's de novo. it. Yeah. So they say, no, they, they interpreted it right. Then what's the next question? Then you get into the question of facts. So that would be you take a look at what was decided at the lower level. Right. And in, in this instance, they said it's clear and convincing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what the deal is. He definitely wants to win it on the legal argument here. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I do believe, you know, that, that, that the substantial contacts, mm-hmm. um, they have, they have, I, they, I have not, I don't do criminal law, you know that. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that they're going to have cases out there what substantial contact means. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't get a good enough feel for that mm-hmm. other than to say that they're arguing that it's a question of law as to whether or not everything that happens on the internet makes every single court in the United States, proper venue for every single crime. Yeah. That has the, it, it involves it. Yeah. That's silly. And yeah. So they're going to go on that. That's the argument. So, so the listeners to this, what, what, I've, what I've gotten from this is, is that they've done a good job on the first two issues of keeping this a question of law. Yes. And, and both of them, they, they are, they, they've been able to couch it in application to themselves. Unlike Hanson, 
Mm-hmm. The application to these particular defendants, this particular defendant is insane. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in Hanson, you could tell that's why that statute was written. Yeah. It was written so you wouldn't defraud uh, immigrants. Yeah. <laughs> and he was defrauding immigrants. Yeah. But I can read this statute to make everybody a fraud. That's not what's happening here. Mm-hmm. You look at it, you go, is this clearly implying to him? Well, no, it's not clear at all. Yeah. Even if you didn't have any. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. We got to move on. Sorry. So is there anything else you want to say on video? No, um, that's it. And then. Do you have any questions on venue, Glenn? So, if I'm understanding this right, the government's argument is because electrons pass under a certain area, that makes it their venue correct. That's a substantial contact. Okay. So, in other words, there was enough contact because of electrons passing through a wire or, <laughs> or air. Uh, air. Yeah. Or Wi Fi. Wi Fi doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's just hard to believe that anybody's got the balls to do this. Um, or a judge have the willingness to, to do it. Yeah. To, to listen to them. Yeah. That's the venue why they want that venue, right? Because they will hear this crazy crap and, and rule on it. Yeah, it's awful. The way that, they know the judge they yeah. want. Yeah. Okay. So they want to be able to put it wherever they want in basically these kind of reports. Okay. So now we'll talk about the third level. Mm-hmm. Um. Third yeah. Argument. So the third argument was that the government failed to um, present. There was insufficient evidence to prove that Mackey was directly participating in a conspiracy to prevent people from voting for Hillary Clinton. So the government failed to establish Mackey's knowing agreement. And the only witness that they were presented, I think his alias was microchip or something like that. It was. Stated, he testified that there was just kind of a silent agreement amongst everybody in that group, the war room, that they were going to create these memes to keep people from voting for Hillary Clinton. But the record cannot support any inference that Mackey silently agreed to what was being discussed in the war room. Um, and Mackey only really engaged in his right to political speech. So he was never directly contacted. He never directly contacted anyone. He states that he had silenced the group chat even because he was getting 600 messages a day. And I mean, even if you're in a group chat with 10 people, you can get 300 messages very quickly. So, um, yeah, that's what I took out of argument three was just that there just wasn't enough evidence to prove he was directly connected to this. Now, what's the what, what's the standard the court uses to decide that issue? So would that be that's a question of fact. Correct. So they are going to take into consideration the dis- yeah, the record. Right. Mm-hmm. But the judge, in a criminal matter, can overturn it very convincing evidence that was correct, incorrect. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so they're basically saying that um, even if you say that there was collusion, because mm-hmm. they have to prove collusion, mm-hmm. the statute requires. I don't know why. Didn't they say they had to prove collusion? Mm-hmm. I read a statute and didn't see that. Yeah. I saw that you could collude. Yeah. But they, they went with collusion. Um, but anyway... I guess they needed that because there's no proof that his particular memes did. In fact, isn't it true that the ones that they were talking about were up before he was even? Yes, before he had even posted it. And then there were some that continued to remain up after his account had been suspended. And those weren't his. Yeah. That's that's what it was. Mm -hmm. They're trying to connect theirs with his in order to say that there was a substantial effect or, or not substantial effect or there was a there was a injury. Yeah. All right. So so that's going to be 
the most difficult thing. You don't ever want to be mm-hmm. in appellate court with the facts against you. Mm-hmm. You want the facts at least where you can say, hey, we accept these facts. These mm-hmm. facts. Yeah. We accept all these facts. It's true. We still win. Mm-hmm. And so, um, he, but he is contesting their facts. Their fa- they're saying that the facts say that he colluded. He's saying there's no, I didn't collude. There's no evidence of it. Yeah. All right. That's his weakest argument. You see why. Mm-hmm. That's why it's third, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you win your third argument, you, you probably won the first two. Yeah. So do you get that, Glenn? So his third argument is weak. Therefore, his first two are. I can't say it's weak. It's just the, the standard that the court uses to whether or not to overturn it is de novo, meaning they don't have to listen to anything that tricky judge said. We just look at the we look at the law, mm-hmm. and this is what we say the law is. And that judge has zero influence on what the federal the federal appellate court's going to say. Mm-hmm. The law is, but the second you start saying here's what happened, mm-hmm. then you give the judge some deference. That's all. Now the judge might not. Uh, the cases get turned over all the time mm-hmm. where judges screw up on the evidence, but. It is more difficult to overturn. It's not that it's weak. It's just a harder standard, a more, a diff- more difficult standard to overturn a question of fact. Mm-hmm. Does that help? Yeah. So, in other words, but do they have another way to argue? It, in other words, well, I think that what they did, just to ask the, the, the point that I was trying to make, mm-hmm. look at argument number one. It's simply only a question of law. Yeah. So, you put that one up front because you think you're right. And the judge can just, those three judges could say, mm-hmm. he's wrong. Let's change it. Yeah. Next one is a mixed question of law fact. Mm-hmm. Still a question of law. And so you, you're, you, you can still win it just on that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a question of fact. And that's why you put it last because you're hoping you don't get there. Yeah. <laughs> you hope that the judge is on the first one. You know what I'm saying? If he gets to, if, if, you, if you're reading your opinion and you see you lost the first two, you're going, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That helped, Lynn. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed again at how well she gets these cases prepared. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I do believe that this Hanson McKay, I think McKay's going up. Well, it might not. Mm-hmm. If there's indications that the appellate court's going to rule in favor of Mackey. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, they, I, they didn't make him go to jail. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I would be interested to read the government's brief as well, just to see what. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's cover it. Maybe we can at that point. I, well, I think we're going to do is cover the appellate court decision. It'll happen right at the end of your tenure here. Yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, what did it take that long in our case? Didn't it it took weeks? them, a, may, yeah, maybe a month. Yeah, maybe a month. So, yeah, we should have the opinion on that one. Where all this is going to listeners and to Glenn, and, and I don't know how much uh, you're following all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that this case got picked up quick. For the same reason that I think that the J6 cases got picked up, um, I think Hansen is right down the middle of what all this is about, mm-hmm. that, that they're taking that Enron loss, the Enron um, litigation and trying to apply that to trying to p- provide a statute that was designed after Enron deleted and got rid of all of the evidence would have would have put everybody in jail mm-hmm. They made that a crime itself. So you doesn't help you any. Yeah. If you destroy it, then you're automatically guilty. Sort of like not blowing on a DWI. You're going to go to you lose your license. Yeah. If, if you don't blow. Well, you t- you shred all your documents next time. Then you go to jail. Yeah. All right. 
there's absolutely nothing in there about um, knocking on the front door or going on a tour of the White House with a bunch of federal agents. There's nothing in there about in that statute. Mm -hmm. And so Hansen would say, well, if it applied, if you read it, it's clearly we're going to apply it. But mm -hmm. if, you know, if it's just totally broad and you can't tell what it covers. Yeah. And some of them, they'll do that sometimes. Loitering is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. You can't enforce those laws. What is that? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm hanging about. Well, I was waiting on a friend. Is that loitering? Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, but yeah, I know what you're saying. saying. Yeah. So you have trouble. You go to the loitering loitering because that's where they that's the ones they use to show you they're just unconstitutional on their face. Yeah. You don't know. Okay, this person is definitely what I would call loitering. He's hanging around smoking cigarettes with his friends, mm -hmm. and he's doing cat calls that women walk by. Mm -hmm. That's a loiterer. Yeah. Right. But if you make everything loitering, they're just gonna say that's too broad. Yeah. Say what it is you're trying to to, to get to to regulate here. Mm -hmm. Well. I do believe that there's indications that between the two cases, we, we considered another case with Hanson. I don't know which one it was, but that one went yeah. the other way. And I think that that's what's happening here. Mm -hmm. I think that I think that um, that the court's going to rule in favor of um, which one of them just went up, Lynn. One of those J six one of those J six cases just went up. Which one was it? I don't know. Where's one that went up? And mm -hmm. That's going to be the whole argument. Yeah. It's going to be whether Hanson says, you know, you'll rule like Hanson, all oh, this is right down the middle, which you know it's not. Yeah. You can't read that Enron statute and say, oh, if you put on some horns on your head and go on a tour of the White House without paying, that we, that you're impeding Congress. That's just not, it's not going to fly. And I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, and, and this, I want to tell you something real quick on this immunity thing that's going down since we're throwing the law. Uh, I, I don't like, as you know, I don't, maybe there's a niche for me. Maybe I need to start writing on these, on this, these issues that are going on in federal court, mm -hmm. state court in these cases, because of the, the, I think the right wing coverage by podcasts keeps missing it. Mm -hmm. They keep missing it. It's almost like they've never practiced law. And I think even you who've been to several appellate court things and, and seen how we argue things, one of the big things that the right wing is making a big deal of. It's so stupid if you've ever been in court. Mm -hmm. All right. So the question is, is Trump immune for his actions while he was president? Mm -hmm. All right. And yeah. so what he basically did was while he was president, he tried to figure out there was cheating in Georgia. And they're saying that he was that was illegal. All right. Was it illegal or not? Illegal? I don't know. Mm -hmm. OK, but that's what that. Well, I do have an opinion, but I don't yeah. know. All right. So. So they're trying him for criminal law of 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 doing those acts. Mm -hmm. All right. And so the the prosecutors want to say that he's not immune. So the district court, which they lawfare that they've got a favorable district court judge who said he's not immune. All right. So he takes it up. They take it up Supreme Court saying that's no, got to go to the court of appeal first. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the court of appeal. This was in D.C. I don't know why. It, that's that's a venue issue. Yeah, it's in D.C. Well, George, he did it. He was he was in Washington D.C. when he made those calls, so mm -hmm. that was easy venues there. All right, so so now he's at he's in at at the federal court, court of appeal level, mm -hmm. and they're doing their oral arguments yesterday, and so he's claiming that he's abused for prosecution for acts done while he's president, mm -hmm. and they go, does that mean? That it, you can send out the special forces. He named they named one like something six or something. Yeah. 
can you send them zero out and kill uh, and kill Joe Biden while you're president? Can you do that and you be immune from from criminal acts? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they do. Yeah. Like I just asked you earlier, could yeah, I, I made up a hypothetical? If you put up a sign in New York, yeah, that says Hunter Biden's a pedophile, pedophile, yeah, right. Is that going to be covered? I would ask that question to the prosecutor. Is that going to be covered? Because you know that's going to be pictured and put through. You yeah. ask that question because you want to see how far they're willing to take it. Yeah. Well, I thought that Trump said, everybody says his lawyers suck. And I, I thought, no, his answer was perfect. Mm-hmm. The answer is no. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can't. There, there's a procedure when you're president. You impeach, then you convict. Yeah. So they did. They tried to impeach him and failed. He's immune. Yeah. That's the answer. So the answer is, that's a, obviously, he's not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But if he did, the proper procedure would be to impeach him, which they would do. Mm-hmm. And once they've impeached him, they would convict him. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't know what the pro, I don't know what the right wing's all upset about with that question. That question's legit. Yeah. And, the, and, and it gave a softball. Mm-hmm. I think it was an easy hit, one to hit out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, technically, yeah, you could take this to extreme as you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's immune from criminal prosecution. Why? We don't want the, 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 our president lawfaring all over the country with, you know, his electrons going all over the place. You sue him at every single venue. And you got 90, what, 98 of them? 98 district courts. Mm-hmm. You can sue him at every one of those venues and keep the president from doing his job, impeach him, then convict him because he doesn't have anything else to do. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think that argument was, I think that, I think they, I think they handled it perfect. Yeah. I think the judge's question was appropriate mm-hmm. and the answer was perfect. Yeah. And are you hearing that anywhere, Glenn? No. That's no. my problem. I've heard it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, it's a hair on fire kind of question. Uh, that's why they focus on the hair on fire part. Well, uh, un- unfair hair on fire. To me, if I go into, um, and watch somebody playing snooker, or was that what, what, what game is it that the, that the rich ladies used to play on the East Coast? They all played it. <laughs> um, snooker. Well, okay, we'll say snooker. Mm-hmm. And I start commenting on how you played. Yeah. You would turn around and slap me. Mm-hmm. Shut up! You don't know what you're doing because I know nothing about snooker. Yeah. I don't even know for sure if it's a pool game or is it a card game. Yeah. And so, so if you don't know, don't comment. Yeah. If you've never been to a court of appeal and you really don't know, even if you just went to them and watched them, yeah. you would know that's how it works. Mm-hmm. They're gonna, and that's how law school is. They're going to yeah. ask you absurd questions to see if you could defend your position and how far will you go. Yeah. And as soon as you say, well, no, it doesn't apply to that, then he's going to say, what about this? Mm-hmm. No, I realized that the first well, 30 minutes into observing a class. Except, except they're, they're not in the business of legal questions even if they are lawyers they're in the business of attention and attention is what they're after so will they jump on the hair on fire thing because they're whoever's listening to them that's what they want to hear they want that red meat and they don't understand the nuance of this question and why it was asked yeah i, I would didn't w- you explain it let me take it this far mm-hmm. i would wonder what they were thinking if they didn't ask that question yeah. Because that's the whole issue. Mm-hmm. Is he really just totally immune? Mm-hmm. And they're making the argument, yeah, he is. Impeach him and, and, and convict him then. That's, that's the order thing. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that the impeach and convict is the part they don't get to. You know, that's the part they leave out. And you because, know if he shot his opponent. Say what? Show him the pot, he would get it. He, he would, it would be the next day. Oh, yeah. He would be, and then he'd be arrested by the next day. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's, I know, yeah. <laughs> you see, that, that's the thing. It goes to the dictator thing. It's the only thing the left has. So they leave that part out because yeah. he looks more like the Hitler they're painting, painting him to be. The thing that Michelle Obama is so terrified of, you know, and how we have to, if we want a democracy, which actually is we want communism, we won't let him run. But if we wanted a democracy, we can't have orange Hitler in office. Well, all I can say is you're right and very, very good job. Thank you. Absolutely. I, I, I wish yes, you. Very good. I tell you, some law schools get ready to have a good one. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I think that she covered it well. I, I'm, I'm, I hope that, that the listeners got something out of this. Um, I, McKay does have good lawyers. So that was a well-written brief. Oh, yeah. And it was, you know, after going through the process of writing one, going, getting to go through and look at how they did it was very fun. Right. So that's, and, and again, now you're, it was wonderful for her. I, you, some of the stuff I wouldn't have known until I second, third year of law school. But when you start talking about venue has to be proven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something that I learned after law school. Somehow that slipped me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, you got to prove venue in a criminal case. Yeah, and I haven't really had any cr- experience with criminal cases, so that was new for me. I'm getting to be exposed to that, you know. So, anyway, well, that's good. We uh, let's let's pray that, that McKay wins, and let's hope that these J Sixers do as well. Um, I, I I I don't. It's even if you even if you don't like Trump, if you like freedom, you better make the Constitution real. And have it protect you because this guy, those two, it's ridiculous that he's got three and a half months for two, for each, for each, <laughs> for each meme he copied. Yeah. And who knows what they could say my, over the time, my stuff has been, you know, stuff I said on here. Yeah. You know, uh, electrons. We, mm-hmm. it, hey, this one has gone to the Philippines. I guess the international court can come after me. Yeah. It's just, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Be careful what you wish for because, yeah, you're opening up you a floodgate. Yeah. Well, we could talk about the politics of this uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, want, I mean, well, no, we could talk about it last <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> we could talk about the, the politics of this last Thursday because it, it's going to be interesting to see um, to see if if Trump wins the immunity part of it. Mm-hmm. Is that going to make? Biden immune for everything he's done because there's claims that he's taking bribes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to that. All right, Glenn, Victoria, thank you. Listeners, thank you. Uh, Glenn, I, what was missing from this podcast? Well, the same thing that was missing from one other podcast we did uh, that we did not discuss what could make this much clearer and can make things much more concise and would prove venue as well is <laughs> if you went to the hot and PJs and got some delicious PJs coffee or a boosted teas or all natural Red Bull and of course uh, breakfast pastries, lunch sandwiches, breakfast sandwiches and 
Zap Chips, which would just be the slam dunk. Did you say Zap Chips? Zap, yeah, Chips. Isn't that like a premium chip? That's like the premium chip in this this great state of Louisiana, for sure. So, okay. Well, as always, thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. How many more times do we get to do this? Oh, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30. Wow. That's not bad. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Seriously, thank you guys for listening. Give us your comments if you, if you can. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.